Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill, like John Kennedy, yeah. Remember Coach Red Arbach, pumped up for victory, yeah. Well, you can take my wife, you can take my car, but you can't take my big cigar, my Good morning, folks. I am your host, The Goat, here for our KMA Year in Review episode. Joining me, I have my good friend and trusty cohort, William the Scoop with Coop. Cooper. Coop, what's good going morning, on? Good morning, Alex. I guess we're going to have to hold down the fort today. Yeah, now listen, I don't yeah. know where anybody's at. Abe wasn't feeling well. He said he was coming on. Maybe he'll pop in. Fortunately, we'll we have some... Yeah, we'll we'll have have some time. But we have some special guests, fortunately, so everybody doesn't have to sit here and, and listen to you and I talk about Philadelphia sports and music. Um, so <laughs> we do have a show for you folks. Don't right. tune out. No, definitely not. A really good one today. Uh, you know, we've been kind of putting this one up with the uh, year in review. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some good topics some some things to talk about. Some uh, special guests. Let's get these guys in. Let's let's chat with them a little Absolutely. bit before we get Absolutely. started. Absolutely. Yep. So first, uh, we have our friend Garrett Robinson from How About That Cigar, who's currently in his car somewhere between Barstow and the edge of the desert. What's up, brother? Absolutely. Good morning. How you gentlemen doing? Uh, you, we're here, man. We're here. We're here man. You know, every- now, I got to ask, have you been driving all night or did you stop? Uh, did you stop? No, no, no. So, yeah, I uh, drove into Chicago yesterday. I've got an uh-huh. event tomorrow. Uh, that I'm doing at a new shop on the south side of Chicago and stayed here last night. Um, and apparently, I don't know how time zones work. So, <laughs> Well, don't feel bad. I, I had that same problem when I was out your way last month. So, <laughs> yeah, so. Fortunately, I'm a guy that, that rarely leaves the eastern time zone, so I tend to not have that problem, fortunately. Mm-hmm. Fortunately. Yeah. But when joining you do us, leave it, it's tough. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's tough. It, it takes some getting yeah. used to. Also joining us, coming fresh off a sickness, having his first cigar since that sickness, is our good friend Matt Tobacco from the Smoking Tobacco Show. What's going What's on, guys? Up, How bro? are you? Morning, How you feeling? Uh, I still don't feel great, but uh, I feel better than I did on Sunday and Monday. I thought I was going to die. Um, so, are you Are you smoking today? I am. I'm smoking uh, uh, All Saints, St. Francis, Colorado, Churchill, one of my favorite cigars. So. All right. So he- here's the question. Here's the question. Should you be smoking today? Because us being who we are and being in this industry, we're all pigs and probably yeah. go a day or two earlier than we should. Yep. Yeah. So realistically, you think you're good? I think I'm good. The only thing that I will say is I feel like my palate is still messed up because mm-hmm. I know how good this cigar tastes and it definitely, it tastes very weird to me. So I don't know. Uh, I had I the think, same thing, Matt. Yeah. When I yeah. had it. Yeah. I think my palate is still messed up, but everything else is fine. It's just, it's also the first one I've had in over a week. So yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. Maybe it'll go away as I go. I don't know. But other than that, I'm good to go. I'm ready to roll. See, that's, that's, that's the killer because 
So what that means is technically you should probably wait. But us being us, we can't wait. Because if you wait, right, after a good sick or whatever, that first cigar, after a week of no cigars, is like, ah. You jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah, you still, like you said, you still don't get the taste is off a little bit. But that that first one, after a, a good couple of days, it makes all the difference to me. Ooh, we had an, an Abe sighting in the background, and then he disappeared. Ooh. So he's oh. trying to get in. Okay, that's good. All right, listen, first things first before we uh, – before we get to our 2022 year in review is I got to get some Super Bowl picks. And what that will do will tell me who stays on the show and, and who and who gets booted. Um, I knew this was coming, and this is very tough for me because I love the two guys up top. Well, I love all of you. Gary, you know how much I love you too. But the two guys who I know are going for Philly, I love you very much. So as a friend, you know, I want to I wanna be an Eagles supporter for you too. And... But my gut's telling me, like, go with the Chiefs. And I'm very torn because I I don't know. So, so like, what, what's, what's telling you go with the Chiefs? I really like Mahomes, man. I think he's, I think he's got this. Him and Andy Reid. Andy Reid facing off against the Eagles. I think he gets his retribution. He's got Mahomes, the next big thing. He's got a banged uh, up Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, but, you know. I think Mahomes is a tough kid. I, I think, you know, he's got two weeks, maybe a little bit of rest there, get a little bit better and get his shit together, you know, prepare. I don't know. I just I, I just got this good feeling. But either way, I won't be angry because at least if they do lose and the Philly wins, I'll be happy for you, gentlemen. You'll be happy for your friends. Yes, I will. Hey, when the Phillies were in the World Series, you I, who, who did I care for? You did. Yep. Absolutely. You did. You did. Listen, with all due <laughs> that's easy. Unless you're from Houston, Texas, nobody, nobody else yeah, is rooting for the Astros. Yeah. Garrett, who you got? Uh, so I think this is going to be a boring Super Bowl. That's my prediction. Really? Like 53, yeah. all defense, very little scoring. That was a great Super Bowl. I think, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see 13 10. Yeah. Um, really? At the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm yeah. Shocked. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are two teams that can put numbers on the board. Yeah. I anticipate they can, the but both teams have defenses. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think. I think it'll come up to um, which coach is going to put together the more bold plan. Um, yeah, so my prediction is 13-10. Who wins? Um, my, my brain says Philly. My heart says Kansas City. Your heart says but, Kansas City. Yeah, because um, you know, no like, like, like know, Matt, um, dude, and I gotta say, the, these two quarterbacks are unbelievable. Jalen Hurts, I mean, what a what a rock star! And then um, obviously our our guy Mahomes, you know. So we are gonna watch two amazing young quarterbacks that is guaranteed i think this game is all about defense 
and who can who can stop it? All right. Well, there we have it, Coop. No love. Let, let's see if maybe we can get a little love from Abe, who's who's joined us. There he is. The, What's happening? Good morning. Good morning, genitalia. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm alive, man. <clears throat> Had a rough uh, rough evening. I think I digested some stuff that uh, didn't quite agree with me last night. Oh, ouch. I, I don't know. I feel like I gave you guys my stomach bug virtually. You probably Maybe. did. Yeah. Maybe. I had it I had it when I a couple weeks ago, yeah. Literally. So you guys what? You guys talking about Phillies football talk? Yeah, we're talking about Eagles Chiefs, you know, yep. big Super Bowl coming up Sunday. You know. I'm just curious, is this like the first podcast ever where someone's doing it while driving? No, we, mm. we've, we've had a couple of guests driving on. We, like we, we did the road had, to the Super Bowl a few years ago with Carney. We've had, uh, I don't know. We had, uh, I think we had Tommy Z, but he was parked in like a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot yeah. for two hours. <laughs> Skip we did it with Herklots. We did it with Herklots, and Car- Carney was on the road. He had his he had his ring lights in the car, and he had his camera all set up, and he was on his way. It was the was the Super Bowl that Brady won with the Bucks? Was that twenty twenty? Was that fifty five? Which one was that? A couple years ago. Fifty five. Yeah, we did that one on the road. That was quite a sight. So what I'm hearing is I'm the first real guest to be in the car. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> and driving, I'm, moving. I feel like I'm watching that '70s show, and it's the car scenes, like with you know Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> with you know, right? It's just surreal. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's actually just a, that's actually just a green screen background. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you, you know what would be funny? Someone really should do it. They should set up a green screen in their in the garage and act like they're doing a podcast while driving, but then just have the wildest shit go back in the Flying background. In the background. <laughs> and see how long before somebody catches it, right? right. You know, like, dinosaurs and shit. Yeah, I, yeah. the Vegas strip, all of a sudden you're on the Vegas strip and just, just see how long it goes before someone's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That would be hilarious. Oh my gosh. It's like right, the well, opposite of that guy who makes those videos. I don't know if you guys have seen that. He walks around with the laptop mounted to his chest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he pretends yeah. like he's in the office, but he's like on the golf course. And he's like, right, right. Right, 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 right. At the yeah, Ravens yeah. game or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, we're here to talk about the biggest stories from 2022. Um, fairly eventful year. I, I, I'd say it's a, a pretty pretty good year in the cigar industry but um let's get started let's start with uh one of the bigger splashes last year mainstream celebrities in the cigar industry we had the uh introduction of guy fieri with uh, eric espinoza and also uh, the metallica crew with drew estate so what are you guys thoughts on that let's start with uh let's start with matt well, first of all, I thought the Metallica one was was good. Um, a little bit of a shocker. I, I I saw that. I was like, oh damn, Metallica! Uh, I know Carney was excited because he loves Metallica. Uh, several other people I know who were Metallica people uh, were very excited. But I think the the biggest splash was definitely the guy guy. And I'm gonna. I, I know Garrett had to correct me on one of the last episodes. Apparently, it's Fieri. It's not Fieri. 
uh, as everyone knows, I'm bad with my pronunciation. But uh, yeah, see, yeah. It, don't worry, Garrett. I learned um, <laughs> the knuckle sandwich. You know, the knuckle sandwich release. Uh, honestly, I, I thought was the was the biggest thing last year, specifically with you know the celebrity stuff. I thought that it was executed well. The cigars were great. I know Coop and I have talked about this on you know other shows where you know there's there's a historical there's a historical reputation with some of these releases, right? Where celebrity cigars come out and it's just kind of a flash in the pan. It's oh, so and so cigar, yay. But the cigars either don't perform well, just doesn't pick up traction. This particular release, they performed well. They've already extended, expanded it to other, you know, extensions. There's what the Connecticut now. There's the 55 Limited. There was the Chef Special for PCA. Um, all of which I've smoked most of them, not all of them, but even the ones I haven't, I've heard great things about. Um, getting a lot of attention, really promoted well. I know that whole crew was down at the Great Smoke last year at the trade show um getting a lot of coverage you know we gave hector espinoza mandy the year award um for you know his part in blending all those cigars and whatnot so i i think that one was probably the biggest thing if you want to talk about celebrities and cigars i think that was the biggest splash of 2022 yeah and, and just i just want to add on to this i want to get you guys per perspective on on how how this compares to uh past attempts because there has been attempts in the past and you know i know a lot of it is just slapping a name on it but uh you know, see, these, it seems like these guys have really dug in. You, you know, Alex, I think a lot of this comes down to that Espinosa does have a mature distribution in terms of they have a sales force. They have obviously distribution of these cigars and they're able to get them out. Um, I know Rocky had it with some of his sports stars, but they were very localized as, as far as the appeal of those go. But when Armand Asante got into it, he had a great cigar, but he didn't have the distribution there. So um, he didn't have the market, you know, Eric. Eric Espinosa has a marketing uh, arm too. So I think a lot had to do with that. Um, you can always give a great cigar to a celebrity, but actually getting it out to the masses is the tougher part. Speaking of Armando Santi, you know, you know, he last I heard he was working something with Placencia. I've seen nothing. Right. Heard I, I, nothing. I, 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 listen, I know Armand. I, you know, Armand, we actually talked about projects together. Armand's just one of these guys that gets hot on something and then he's just gone. So I don't know if that project just got dead in the water or and he's not gone other than anything. The guy, the guy's a busy dude. Yeah. You know, I'm sure making a cigar is like number 423rd on his daily list of tasks to work on. But has anybody heard anything about that project? I'm due to follow up with him because um, I did interview him in 2021. Um, and I'm kind of just curious about I know he switched some PR firms because I, I did try to reach out to him last year. So I have the other firm now, and I'm going to try to give them. Oh, you don't have his personal cell, Coop? I'm sorry. Um, Coop's got I have his personal Coop's email. Guy. I have his personal email, but not his cell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he really, yeah. But I usually try to go through the proper channels with that, too. So before, and if I don't get through the proper channels, then I can kind of call that email out. Yeah. Oh, man. So going back to the Guy Fieri and the Blackened, um, which is really James Hatfield from Metallica. Um, I think it is clear that the knuckle sandwich um, is the success story because not only was Guy Fieri, he was out there, he was at events, he was obviously at the Great Smoke, um, he was at PCA, he was he putting was, in the work. 
He was just at a shop in Arizona. It's been over a year, yeah, and he's still I, I, showing up in cigar shops. Yep. I, I was shocked that Espinosa even put that picture up because you know what happens when you put a picture up like that. Then they're all gonna, everyone's going to call them wanting an event with him. I don't think – listen, you cannot not do that because of that. I know. I know. Yes. Yeah, no, you're right. You cannot not do that because of that. But they you have. Know. I know they have tried right. to keep others low-key. That's why I was surprised. You know, it's, you know, he, he it, it defeats the purpose of having a guy like Guy Fieri. Um, uh, I, I agree with you on that. Listen, retailers are always petty. It's yeah. one of the things. It's, it's one of the few things I really dislike about this industry. They will spend more time crying and bitching about something instead of figuring out, hey, well, what do I need to do to do something? You know, and and you know, you know I'll, I'll never forget when we did our first project with Padron. Um, shit, it wasn't, was it the SI-15? Maybe it was the SI-15. Yeah, so that was our first one with him. So when we did the SI-15 with Padron, he was at the shop, we had the event, and he was talking about it, and he's like, look, we don't do this all the time. You know? Uh, there's a handful of people that our family has done, pro and this is back then, I'm Pretty sure they've done a few, a lot more since then. But I think at the time he said, like, this is the third or fourth time we've ever done this. And people get mad, where, but it is what it is. Yeah. You know, we have special relations with people who did it. And, you know, other, you know, other retailers get bent. There are retailers out there who've done stuff and projects with manufacturers, whatever, and it, we didn't get a chance to. You, Somebody, a very smart businessman once told me when I was younger, and it always stuck with me, you can't be at everybody's wedding. You know? Yep. Can't have everything and be part of everything, you know. But no, man. If I was Eric, I'd be plastering every time guy is at a cigar shop. I don't care what shop it is, holding a cigar. It should be out there. It's not just good for him. It's good for the industry. Well, I think because here's the many, problem. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say because how many celebrities have we seen that do just that and put their name? on a band. They were not involved in the project whatsoever. And they're putting out this cigar. The one that hurt, the one that hurts me the most is the cigar Nas put out. Oh, the, uh, what's that? Escobar cigar. Yeah, bro. So number one, Nas is one of the greatest MCs of all time. Um, I mean, as a young kid, he, help transform my understanding of hip hop and and you know I had him way up here and then not a, the cigar sucked and that was a disappointment and you never saw him promoting that cigar so I feel like guy has really set the bar high for what a celebrity involved cigar project looks like so just to fill a bit on what we're talking about uh Steve Hernandez actually tried to get us to bring in that cigar. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, had no support. But I, I think it remains to be seen on on uh, Hatfield because there's a bigger problem. There, there's no blacking to be had. We have zero. We have zero and can't get any. None in the this, store, none online. This is a Drew, zero. So this is a Drew Estate major there's a lot of changes going on internally to a state, like yeah. mind boggling, like a mind boggling amount of changes. Yep. And there's an internal and obvious disconnect, like major, between their production and their marketing teams. They're not aligned. 
Marketing is going out doing a job as if they have no idea what production is doing. So they invest all these time, they invest all this time in um, the freestyle lives and hyping it up and getting everybody all excited about shit and this and that. And then when it comes time to launch the brand, guess what? There's no cigars. You can't launch a brand sending your top retailers in the country 10 boxes of cigars. Yeah, so so to put it in perspective, when when guy was coming to the Great Smoke and Knuckle Sandwich was making a splash, I think we, we got what a hundred boxes, Abe. Um, way just, just to be no no just to be there for guy to sign outside. I mean, yeah, I mean it was there. It was able to get when Black and hit. We got fourteen total boxes total. No, Eric got more than a hundred boxes. He did because we did multiple SKUs. Right, you know, right. Yeah, you got to give Espinosa credit on that for having the product ready. But it's on top of that. So because you got the marketing guy who's in the production. Right. These guys are disconnected. Marketing is not listening to production because you don't waste your time coming out with a freestyle live unless you're ready to flood the market with your product. Otherwise, you're just wasting everything. So what's happening is you create all this hype, 20-acre farm, all this hype, whatever. No one can get it. Underground uh, 10, same shit. And they get to the next freestyle live showing the next brand and that product now is starting to trickle in they've already lost it right right we had the same issue with nika rustica adobe yeah adobe it was, we got it we had it couldn't get it and they were doing another freestyle live with blacken before we could even get adobe back. yeah and, and, and you think you think anybody's going back to that brand they lost that all that momentum you know there's a major disconnect going on there and i really hope they rectify it because it makes lives for us. I mean, listen, I imagine it just, I imagine, you know, their sales team is just going bonkers, right? Because you got the marketing, you got production, and you got the sales trying to do it all, and they can't do shit. So, but it's making life for retailers impossible. You know, right. it is. And it, it's frustrating consumers. Abe, even kind of add on to your point, I mean, you guys are a significant size retailer too. What about the small, real small, mom and pop retailers, you know, that don't have multiple stores that get even less allocations. And you want to know what, Matt, as a guy who was a small retailer, it's a catch-22. It's easier for them. So let me give you an example. Just... When I'm a small retailer and you sent me three boxes of shit, I can make a lot of people happy with three boxes of shit. Hmm. Yeah. Three boxes of shit doesn't make my staff happy. You know, I mean, uh, you know, if something's hot, to get 40, 50 boxes is like the equivalent of a small retailer getting three or four. So in some instances, it's actually easier for them in shit like this than, you know, I mean, look, we get Opus every year during the allocated drops, right? And I remember my early days when I had like one or two location, man, getting Opus was like, fuck, rent paid, electric paid. I mean, this is like payday. You know, it was like such a major thing. We get on the phone, it's here, people come in. You know, I don't even look at it. I don't even know when Opus comes and goes anymore. It's like point zero 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 one of our annual business. So, you know, it's because I'm never going to get enough to have an impact at mm. this point. So when you're smaller, it, actually, you're less affected by this kind of shit than if you're bigger. That's the catch-22. You'd think it's the opposite, but it's not. Four, three or four boxes goes way further for a small guy than... 10 because look they send a small account three or four boxes they send us 15. it's not scale it's not even the same perspective that's like sending me one 
So it, it, sometimes it's easier on those guys. Good point. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Let me ask you guys this. Outside of Guy and and Blacken, which we still – the jury's out on, what do you think has been the most successful celebrity-tied cigar? Prior to this? Yeah. Big Poppy. No. You think Big Poppy did better than Ray Lewis? I was going to say Ray Lewis, at least for us. No, okay. that that brand, I can't believe it's still being sold, and it's like people are buying it and look for it. But what's yeah. interesting is it really has no help from Ray Lewis. Minimal. He's done the Great Smoke twice, you know, because he's early, he's a local. He's local for us, but this guy doesn't want to travel the country. This guy's not doing stuff for it, but you know, um, for me, I think that one is the one that endured. I think. That one has probably been the best. I mean, you know, you can't count the boom because, like, Hamilton had a brand out during the boom. I don't know if any of you youngins can remember that far back. Coop, maybe. Um, Coop, you remember George Hamilton cigar? But, you know, during the boom, fuck, you could have sold anything. So it really didn't count. But it died after the boom. You know what I'm saying? But he had a hot brand for a while. Coop, you're muted. Yeah, no, I was agreeing with Abe. Um, you had a hot brand for a while, and then you had Pussy, and then you had uh, who else? Uh, Frankie, um, the other mobster guy. Uh, Vito, Joey. Vito. No, no, that was another one. Frank, Frankie, uh, the, the guy that uh, Joe Pesci uh, beats Frank down. Vincent? Huh? Frank, Frank Vincent. Vincent. Yeah, he had a cigar. Frank Vincent had a cigar because he had a cigar. Guinness Scully had a cigar. He was at Arganese for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But historically, it doesn't pan out because sometimes it's just not even the product. I just don't think it translates well to the consumers. I don't think throwing a name on it connects them directly. I think what's going on with Guy Fieri is that he it's just transparent to everybody. This guy just didn't sell his rights and somebody made a cigar. He is involved. And I know for he's involved because sometimes he's driving Eric crazy. You know what I'm saying? Um, and what's even kind of more odd is what the cigar has been out for less than a year? Uh, about a year this month. Yeah, about yeah, a year. Yeah, just over a year ago. Like the Great Smoke is when we first dropped it. Mm -hmm. um, they, they already had two other renditions of it in 12 months. Yep. Chef selection in fifty five, and so uh, yeah, Chef selection fifty five. Sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Connecticut's great. You know, it's great. So, um, I think I think it's resonating with the consumer base, and it's apparent that this is just an, isn't a celebrity deal. And I think that's what why it'll be successful. I think they feel it because at the end of the day, we're savvy. We see through the farce of hey, man, somebody paid me for my name. I made a few bucks, and I don't give a shit what happens after that. You know, and they they know there's no real involvement with the cigar. And I think when 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 people follow or are smoking knuckle sandwich, they're feeling like they're really enjoying or smoking something that really is a reflection of Guy himself. And I think that resonates with people. There was another celebrity cigar that came out last year that I haven't heard since it first got mentioned, and that was the Jeremy Piven cigar. 
There's another one. Which was a good cigar. But no good involvement. Made by, made by Illusion. No well, you had no involvement from either party with that one. Like, well, well, he didn't do anything with that cigar. He, he, didn't, he, he didn't make a video for our connoisseur club. That was about the most involvement I saw. And he outed Alan, the fake Alan Rubin during our. Oh, yeah, I remember right. that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah so he gets, he gets credit for that. But, but no, he, he was supposed to do a store event. It got canceled, and it got canceled because we heard he was just wasn't showing up for any of the events he was being scheduled for. And listen, nothing against Illusion or the cigar; it's a good cigar. But historically, I've heard nothing but bad things about him as a person. So, yeah, I've met I've met him personally. Yes, uh, I can attest to that. He, he's a yeah, dick. I, I, I've never he's heard a, a positive thing about him ever. It's always something very very negative. So you can imagine trying to schedule events with a guy like this. Meanwhile, guy is so pleasant and so open and wants to talk to people and then like does a little thing like FaceTime my daughter from my office and she says how much she loves him or whatever and he tells her I'm going to bring you an autographed book right and then shows up at the Great Smoke with that book to give my daughter I mean he just he's real and I think yeah, it, it, it that's one thing you got to give credit to guy listen we we may get a, a yes or no last minute but if it's yes he's going to be there yeah He's, he, there's never going to be this. I mean, we haven't had a yes and it last minute turned into a no, I can't. Yeah. So credit, credit to him for that. Absolutely. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I totally forgot about that. It's a perfect example. Non-existent. Right. You know, and, 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 you know, here's the thing too, Matt, you're a consumer. You walk in the humidor, not knowing anything about it. Do you even know it's a Jeremy Pippen cigar? No. no, you can't. You can't tell. You yeah. Can't identify it. Yeah, maybe. And oddly enough, I kind of almost think he wanted it that way. You know, that just sounds to me like it was a hobby project. You know, he smoked cigars. He knew Dion. Hey, make me something. You know, you know, I'm gonna call it the Piv. And Dion like said, Hey, do you mind if we put this out there? He's like, Yeah, go ahead. You know, it, it was you know. a good cigar. It was a good cigar. Well, I was, well, you're right, Matt, Alex. It was good. It was. A, it was a great cigar. But I, I think the problem is you, you had kind of a, a double whammy because I mean, look to me, uh, Illusion makes some of the best cigars around. Uh, a marketing giant, they are not. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think they've ever sold cigars based on their marketing. So you have a celebrity who's not really doing the marketing and a, and a company who doesn't really focus on marketing. Um, I know some of that has changed. Fred Ruiz kind of getting in there and, and, and doing his thing. But at the time, you know, there was not much push behind the cigar. Yeah, that was actually that project was before Fred got there, too. Right. To be fair to right. Fred. Yep, that's true. Yeah. So, Chad, I know he did a couple of events, but he started building a track record of not showing up for scheduled events. And we were scheduled for an event with him, and they just called and started canceling it because it was becoming, I think, too problematic to schedule these events for retailers, and then this guy wouldn't show up. Yeah. Right. right. Bad so, yeah. yeah, you know, um, look, shout out the guy, man. You know, he's, he's putting the work in. Right. So. And you, gotta, you, Which, gotta you can see the success. Yeah. The other thing I'll say about Guy is he has – when he had the opportunity, I'm not saying he's had the opportunity all the time. In the non-cigar mainstream, he's brought up Eric's name several times. I mean, there was that interview he did, uh, with I think it was CBS, where he, you know, he mentioned he, Eric. He referred to him as like a the Godfather of cigars. I don't know if that was the right name, but he still got Eric's name out there. You, you know, so I got to give Guy credit for 
again, it's not like he can go touting this every place all the time, but he's done, I think he's done his part on the other side too, which, which I, I'm impressed with. Absolutely. All right, so uh, let's let's move on to our next topic, and and this was a big one because this was a big question mark that turned out to be a huge splash. Uh, NFTs in the cigar world, and uh, we saw we saw the impact it had with Lafleur. We had a lot of talk on Coop shows about this all week. Too. I know Coop was talking shit about me. Uh, I didn't Whoa. talk shit. I don't think I talked shit. No, you didn't. I'm fucking with you. With Pete, we talked about <laughs> No, no, no. You really didn't. I'm messing with you. Okay, no, you did. okay. No, I no, questioned I'm, one thing. I questioned one thing. I'm, on yeah. I'm totally messing with you. But okay. you did say that, well, you know, Abe might prove me wrong, and I recorded it. So if I do prove you wrong, I'm just going to blast you, it all over. You, you will because you will prove me wrong because the uh, I mean, I was very critical of some of the retailers, the way they've gotten out of the gate with this thing. And I, I know Abe that you won't get out of the gate like that. That I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, it sounds How like this is an opportunity for a signed bill. Bet. No, we have that one going already. <laughs> we, we've doubled down. We doubled, doubled down on it. And, and Coop, Coop won't have to ask what the bet was because he knows he's in it. Hmm. Oh, he always gets frustrated when he doesn't know what the bets are. One day, Padron gets released in 2023. Is it the bet? Let's just do a quick survey here, Matt. Does it make it out this year? Yeah. Garrett. Yes. Looks like Garrett has arrived. Is, is there is there anything behind those beliefs, or is it just like a gut feeling? Well, I'll go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we we talked we talked. I mean, Coop and I actually talked about this last weekend, and one of the big points that Coop brought up is next year Padron celebrates their 60th anniversary. So I'm going to assume that Padron's going to want this to be done so that that way they can focus on Padron 60 next year. Okay, so let me let me historically help you with a puppy boy. Real, real quick, real quick though. Garrett, have you arrived? You want you want to you want to get yourself situated and hop back in? Yes, sir. Let me do that. I'll be right back, guys. All right, cool. No worries. So there have been twice in Padron's history they celebrated their milestone anniversary the following year. So it's Good interesting. Point. The, the, the media guys seem to believe that it's happening. They're the so guys, the, the guys who have to get product from these guys don't seem they're to be so blatantly it. confident that it almost makes me wonder like, is there something they know I don't? That's how <laughs> like, like listen to me. I'm gonna tell you what. I don't have any info. If you think that their 60th anniversary is on the chart or whatever as part of what's gonna be the science factor, don't don't even waste your time. Okay. Padronus. Padron and Fuente has multiple times celebrated anniversaries, not on the year of the anniversary, okay? Because they don't give a shit about that as much as being ready and doing it the way they want to do. But I'll give you this, and especially Fuente. They love to drop special shit around Christmas. So if you do win, I'm telling you this, it will be an under-the-wire win to get it out before Christmas. First week but, of December shows up in shops. But historically, my experience and my shit says that, and especially this one. So, you know, if you had just Fuente doing this project, you'd almost have a better chance. Still, I'd still take the same bet. But throwing Padron in the mix is just like throwing sand in your gas tank. I mean, it just mucks everything up. When you're talking to them, listen to me. 
let's just look logistically, right? These are guys who made a, made a passionate decision before they thought it all out. Like, if I'm doing a project like this, it's all figured out before we even start making anything. At the trade show, they couldn't tell you who's selling it. They each had a different story as who was going to sell it and how that, it was going to get published. That is true. That is true. And I'm they telling haven't taken, you. They haven't taken an order yet. So let's be Now, honest. I'm going to tell you something else. This and is I, not going to be in order. This is accurate for sure. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that with these two companies, there's going to be legal documents. Right? There's trademarks. There's intellectual property being used by both things. Man, those fucking lawyers are going to fuck shit up for a while. I, I Listen, I'll, I'll be surprised. Like I said, I believe they'll make a... If it comes out this year, it'll definitely be an under-the-wire December you know, release. But otherwise, I, I don't see it happening this year. They got the trade show coming up. They're thinking about that. And the, the crazy thing is they got the trade show coming up. And like, what do you talk about? Everybody's still talking about that shit from the year before. But all too often, we've seen special stuff, especially when it's just Fuente at the trade show. And two years later, it comes out. All too often. Or on Coop, three years since the announcement. Yeah, absolutely. Are you... Uh... Are you banking on a trade show splash coop or you think later? I'm banking potentially a before trade show thing um, mm. around Father's Day. That would be the make first that, opportunity I, mean, I can see. That would be the Hold first opportunity. That's soon. Yeah. You think it's going to drop for Father's Day? Possibly. But I'm not going to bet you on that one, Abe. I mean, that one I'm not going to bet you on. It, it, it could be also part of the October Ruby cycle that you see these companies do a lot of. And but I, I believe it's dropping this year. I so believe that they, Chad, I believe both companies want to get this done with at this point. No, Chad, I don't believe the cigars are made yet. No, because we saw there was a tasting event or there's a tasting event happening where they're smoking prototypes of the cigar fire. Yeah, they're calling it prototypes. You, you don't so, know if they're gonna be banded even or not, those cigars. So. Let me just tell you something. This is totally a Marvin Shankin fucking fish. And I'm surprised. They even agreed to this. This is a guy so desperate to try to create any kind of excitement. Because why would you? You got this most literally, probably one of the most historic cigars to happen in our industry. Why the fuck would you even mess with giving people prototypes of it? I agree. I, it I, makes absolutely no sense for either party. Because why? Why put? Why? Smoke it and love it, and it's not the cigar they're eventually going to get. Why let them smoke and hate it, and it's not the cigar they're eventually going to get? There's no upside to this other than a Marvin Schenken show. You're, you're, the problem, Abe, is they'll put that cigar in the hand, and they'll say, people will say it's great because they had the fact to smoke it. No one's going to say this was a terrible cigar. That that's that's. But I agree with you. I don't know why. This, I don't think there's anything to gain by doing that. Listen to me. I got news for you. Anybody will tell you this. All right? I don't know how many people go to the Great Smoke, but no one's making fifteen hundred prototypes. No. Right. Well, maybe Steve Saka. Not even Steve Saka. <laughs> Three hundred, maybe. Yeah. You know, but no one's making fifteen hundred prototypes. But this is once again the industry taking advantage of consumers who just don't think things through. Yep. It literally I, I, is. And even fairness, I never get excited about be the first one to smoke a prototype thing. That never has excited me. I mean, I understand though people do get excited about that though. It just I, I've kind of been down this road before too, where I've seen it happen. It's underwhelming. George did an event with us one year. I, I'm trying to think it was it the 89 birthday cigar. 
I can't remember. No, it was before that, but we did an event with him. I think it was the 40, uh, I think it was the, um, we helped, we celebrated their 40th with the humidors in my shop. And um, he, you know, he's like, listen, how many people do you expect? I got like 200 of these Padron prototypes, short cigars, and they were real. And they had a card in there and whatever. But he's like, you know, do you think you'll have more than like 220 people? That's what I have. Yeah, that's a prototype run. No one's making 1,500. So, and you got to remember, if they're having 1,500, I don't know, like I said, how many people go to the big smoke, but if they're having 1,500, they had to roll 100 for each, couple hundred for each company. Who's making two? Who's making 3,000 prototype cigars? It's yes. just yeah, it's absolutely silly. But they'll eat it up. They'll eat it up. They'll go down there and think they got something special and extraordinary. Interesting. So anyway, back to what we were. Sorry, <laughs> tangent. Tangent. Supposed to talk about tangent. Oh, that got that escalated quickly. NFTs in the cigar world. So I want to. I want to get from you guys, right? And your your your, starting with Lafleur, who essentially was the first guys to break out into this. Your first reaction and your first thoughts when you heard the news and what you think of the success of it and where do we go from here? Okay. I want to chime in on this first. So as a technology nerd, I love when I see the industry that I love in the modern world because so much of the, the cigar industry is old school and most of that is amazing and, and wonderful and the thing that makes it as awesome as it is. But there are processes and things that the cigar industry could certainly use technology to help bring it into uh, the modern world. And when they announced that, I reached out to Carney right away and was like, bro, uh, this is fantastic. Um, now I've, I've, you know, been in the crypto uh, world for a little while. I had read several things on NFTs. I don't, um, technology-wise, I understand it conceptually, um, uh, but from a tangible standpoint, I still don't get it. Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I still applaud it. It was obviously a huge success. So my hats off to the team at LFD that put that together and, um, did something to bring cigars into the modern world. Cool. Matt, somebody, uh, you know, I, look, we covered this very extensively this year. Um, first thoughts, was... raw thoughts when you heard it before you covered it, what was your, and you know, Carney, you probably not that you had inside baseball, but I'm sure you heard about it early on. First thoughts this is crazy. This is cool. This is never going to work. No, honestly, you know, what I will say is when it was first presented to me, like, you know, like this is exactly what it is and this is how we're going to execute it. Because the first thing I thought of was United did it first with a classic, no NFT right. with their out of a black. NFT that they did, I think, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was like cool, but I, I still didn't understand NFT. So I'm like, I don't get it. Like, uh, to me, it was like, okay, like nothing against them. Like, I just don't get it. Like, what is this? You know, you're getting a, you're buying a digital file of an Atabay that doesn't exist. Like, I, I didn't get it. 
So when LFD was like, we're going to do that, but we're, it's going to come like with a fucking cigar that you actually get and the artwork and a humidor and all this other stuff. I'm like, all right, so people actually get something out of it. And then it's, yeah. And then they can continue to get something out of it. indefinitely. it's like, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. So it's, it's a very exclusive, you know, limited asset. Right. So to me, it was like, that makes a lot of sense and it's cool. Are people going to buy it? I was like, well, depending on what it goes for, I guess LFD is a, is a big name. They've been around long enough it, using the Andalusian Bull platform, which everybody knows, you know, everybody wants. You can't keep them in stock to even Alex know that. So I'm like, this has potential. I think that this would be good. And as it continued to roll out, it was more and more like, oh, shit, I think this is going to be a big deal. Uh, and it was. But but again, I think it's because, you know, that that whole tangible part of it is what makes it different than a regular NFT where you, you buy something that really has no physical presence. And, you know, who's to say that the value you could pay X amount of dollars for it. And then that's all cool. And then five years later, it's worth like, you know, an eighth of what you paid for it. And it's just this file, you know, with this, you know, you're always going to be getting cigars from the factory that have a value that people want. Right. So yep. it's kind of a no brainer for me. Cool. You're smiling away. Go ahead. Cool. So I remember when I got this story, right? This is, this is the honest truth. I'm not lying here. Um, Coop thought it was going to fail. No, no, no. My first reaction, and he'll know why I'm saying this, is I can't wait to do this on the scoop with Coop to see Abe's reaction because there's a little history with this. Abe had a cryptocurrency guy on. I was in the studio that day, and it's the only guy Abe ever hung up on because he got so frustrated with this guy, right? So, so I'm like, this is so. And I remember when we did the scoop with Coop. I don't think Abe was totally dumping on this whole thing, and I think you know, as we were kind of talking about it, I think his, his the wheels were spinning. However. I was in the Boston airport, and when he called me saying he was doing this, don't get me wrong, I was still completely shocked that you know, that Abe was going to be getting in on this, considering because I remember that show. It's one of the all-time KMA moments. <laughs> so if you ever remember that. All right. So, Abe, we, we, we've all seen the success of the floor. So we, we have a different perspective, and you have a different perspective here, because we are taking on the probably – most unwanted task of anyone out there is to be the second one, the second major to do it. You're you're muted. You're muted. You're gonna be the you're gonna be the guy to replace and Tom Brady. It's funny you say that, <laughs> but I, I prefer being number two. Do you? Because here's how I feel. Here, here's yeah. how I feel, right? So Lafleur had huge success with it. We all saw that. See, okay, so, so let me just. But here's the thing. Wait, wait, let me get this out because this we had to. I feel like the future of cigar nfts resting on us it yeah. really rests on us man yep so let me let me just let me just take this and i want to clarify this and, and i know i'm probably going to hurt matt and his man crush on here <laughs> i don't look at the floor as successful i might be the only person i'm not disagreeing abe i might be the only person but banking a lot of money is not what makes it successful if you if, if being successful is that they were able to sell six hundred thousand dollars in NFT money, then yeah, okay, that was successful. But me as a retailer, I don't see it as that being successful. Now, what I will commend them for is having the balls and the vision to pave the way. 
Now, what I get the benefit from is to see all the things I feel they did absolutely wrong. And I get to make it better, which is exactly what we're doing. And unlike them, which most manufacturers believe they understand retailers, but unfortunately, most of them don't. I have a perspective really that they don't have. I kind of understand because I look at it to me. This is the way I look at it. When I looked at the LaFleur package and the deal, it made no sense financially. Couldn't put pieces together. Couldn't make the numbers work. Couldn't do anything that said this this had any real value to me or money I would want to invest after X amount of dollars. And it went way above that number. And I don't know because I haven't really been watching it, but the fact that I really haven't been hearing too much of it, only what I caught on Coop's show the other day, I don't think that the guys who got the NFT have had success or that much success on the cigar side yet. That's what I which, said. Which for me says it wasn't successful. Now, if you're just looking at it from LaFleur's position, it was extremely successful. But I've never been that guy that wants to do something and not have success all the way to the end. So as a retailer, I have the perspective of saying, look, I'm with Garrett. Don't understand NFTs. Don't get it. Don't Still can't conceive of it. Why do I want a digital limit? I don't. But what I do understand is cigars and the cigar business. So this was a great opportunity for us as, as a company. And, and here's the thing. You can't just do this with any brand. I was fortunate enough to have probably the most historic single store release cigar ever made. And I'll debate this with anybody. You know? For us to have had 3,000 15-count boxes, as little of the operation as we were there. I mean, I know what Steve Socket does for JR and those guys. It's not even close to those kind of numbers. So, and it was in Playboy magazine. And for the next 10 years, it's we still have people asking us for it. So we were fortunate enough to have a brand that's already had a history, not an unknown cigar. I mean, look, I Coop said on his show, I would just go get an Andalusian Bull before I'd care to smoke a Golden Bull. The logic is not there. Yeah. The logic's not there. And sooner or later, consumers, that's they're, they're, if they haven't reached that point, they're going to reach that point. The logic's not there. So I have we have a product that's historically um, been sought after already for a decade. I got Pete excited. Pete's talking to me about the special box he's going to make. Maybe he's going to have compartments. And I mean, like, you know, Pete in this stage of the game, and I talk to him often, he doesn't get that excited anymore, but I see it. He's really kind of excited for this project. All right. Which is really cool. So we're going to have, yeah, what? When do we get to announce the other stuff? Listen, I don't want to shoot the load early. I mean, until we really, because we're, we're tied to the production schedule right now. Everything else is ready to go. We've worked with, with the other people, but we don't want to get it out there. But here's the thing. I was getting there. So we're, we're going to create this pretty badass package. It's going to have 60 cigars in it. So for me, that's the value of the, as a retailer, right? But we have, and then you're going to get a, re, so what I didn't like about little Flores, they all got the same, they all got the same. I mean, for me, that was absurd. You're, buying, you're supposedly buying art, but you all got the same art. All I think it changed was a number. We have seven unique pieces of art, and Alex will tell you it's kind of pretty badass art. Um, we have set, So if you have the number one NFT, you're looking at something completely different than the guy who got the number two NFT. You know? Right. And like the blends are different, right? 
No, no, it's seven different blends. No, 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 no. Cigar, listen, cigar wise, it's the Tatuahi Anarchy. It's the original anarchy. The original anarchy. I mean, LFD. I mean, LFD. They are not seven different blends. No, they're not. Matt? No. Yeah, no, no. Same? Same. I don't know what I'm talking about. Same, yeah. Sorry. Don't try to say anything. So, we're going to have this package, and then I'm going to make a canvas art because I believe the art that we ha- we commissioned to have be made is definitely wall worthy. Guys are going to want it. But more importantly, now is we, we've created a real package. We have two major, major players in this industry. I can't announce it yet. International players. <laughs> Alex is smacking the table. Um, they are going to have the same art all incorporated in some accessory packaging. This is going to be an epic package because I'm a retailer. We got Banksy design on the box. I think I can know one already. I'm a retailer. So this is going to be more than, and you're going to, so you're going to get one of one because they're creating the accessories to match that unique NFTR. So there are going to be seven people who will have one of one. So this is a big project. And, and, and like I said, I get the benefit of watching LaFleur go up the bat first. That's why I said I really, in this situation, don't yeah. mind. I mean, I didn't have the vision to think about doing this, but I tell you what, I saw everything I didn't like about the LaFleur project. And at the end of the day, I'm a retailer, so I'm saying to myself, what are realistic numbers here? Now, up until what, Alex, maybe about five years ago, four years ago, we still had some original anarchies floating in our rare vintage room. And people were coming in and buying them, I think, for 20 bucks and then selling them. I, I know for a fact because I saw it in Facebook groups, 40, 50, 60 bucks. So we know the anarchy has already been sellable at the 40 to 50, 60 dollar range. We do the math. You know, we're not we're not making up some uh, mystery number. Hey, you can sell these for 200. It's ridiculous. So doing the math and reverse engineering everything, we've created something that has real value that if I'm a retailer, it's like it's like if you could remember back in the day when Pete would announce who the lucky 13 was, right? And shops would the phones would just start ringing because as soon as he it, you'll have as a retail. I don't see this play being a consumer play. I don't see. I mean, there could be there could be just a guy out there who's a Tatuai fan and is going to dump it. But I see this totally as a retailer play because. It'll give seven retailers the opportunity to be the lucky 13 basically four times a year, which I think is badass. Now, Pete asked me, because, you know, I'm a scenario guy. Pete asked me, well, what happens if this thing completely fails and there's zero interest? I said, well, the absolute worst case scenario is I own seven NFTs and I'm going to get 420 boxes of anarchy every year, which I'm perfectly okay with, too. Because that's a great cigar. I cannot get him to remake it. And now I found a way to commit Pete Johnson to making 420 boxes every year. So, you know, I'll get my allocated 60. But if this flops, then you know what? Me as a retailer, I know consumers are going to find me all over the country. Because if they want anarchy, I got 420 boxes now every year I could sell them. Instead of chasing down a secondary market or looking for it. So I think ours is going to be very successful. I really do. I think we took the time to really think about the value for it to be successful for the people who own the NFTs. You know, I think one of the pieces that we have coming with this anarchy package, 
on its own can warrant a crazy price because you got one of one. So we really thought it out to make it different than LaFleur. And once I said, it's honestly thanks to LaFleur. I'm not putting LaFleur down. I mean, I you know, they are they are pioneers and seldom do the first pioneers get the advantage of perspective. So I got to benefit by by watching them and figuring out how to really make this work and have all eight cylinders work, not just for us as a company and us as an organization and Titoa Hay and the other guys involved, but to the end owners of the NFT. Because ultimately, for me, that's what makes it successful. If the end owners of the NFT are getting rocked every quarter and calls and they're blowing through their allocation, then in my mind, we've created something successful. I just want to make a quick note before we go to, to break. There's a lot of folks out there that believe that they have an anarchy. A lot of you folks probably have Anarchy Chaos, which was a 2019 release. There are very, very, very few original Tatuaje Anarchy out there in the wild, and most people aren't giving up. Aren't giving oh, yeah. them up. The, the chaos is not the same. It's not the same size as the original Anarchy. This is something that has not been seen in a it long was a time. I haven't shape. seen it. I haven't seen it in a long time. It was a unique shape. Pete yes. had never made nothing with this shape. Yeah. It's kind of like a yeah. Solomon, but not a Solomon. Right. It's like right. a Toro and a Solomon had a baby. Yeah. You know? the, the chaos, then, if you have a Toro looking pigtail, that's a chaos. The, the, but, the Anarchy is a unique shape. It's still been eight years probably since the last run of those because I think 2015 you did a small run of those again. 16, so, 16 he made 666 boxes. Yeah, so there wasn't that many yeah, then. No, not compared right. to the 3,000 in 2010. Right. All right, folks. And, so we're uh, going to take a speaking, quick break. Go ahead. No, go. Real quick, just go talking ahead. about Pete Johnson and artwork. Um, he had some new canvas this last week. I saw that. I saw that. Oh wow, Faust! That's kind of cool. Faust, though. That is cool. Damn. That is cool. So, what do you got? You got you have what? You have that is who? Stolen throne. Stolen throne. <clears throat> I remember you had the Opus, and yeah. now we've added Pete. Yeah, we got we got we got plenty of room. We got plenty of room. I want an EADV. That's a nice one. I like that. It's kind yeah. of a I'm a I'm a shield kind of guy. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick break and come right back to you with more with these uh, fine fellas. So seeing a few. Phenomenal. 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 I'm Steve here from Smoking Cigars. It is that time of year again, the Great Smoke 2023 Mardi Gras Madness. If you're wondering why everybody last year was calling it the best cigar event in the country, it was evident the day tickets went on sale. VIP tickets sold out in one day. That's right, they are all gone. Don't message us, don't PM us. I'm sorry, there's nothing we could do, but there are still plenty of general admission tickets and virtual tickets once again, we'll be offering this event virtually as well as live. So for those of you who can't make it down, you'll be able to enjoy the festivities from the comfort of your own home. Michael Herklotz, Kim Keeney, and Paul DeGracco will be returning to be your co-hosts 
for your virtual experience. Whether you're coming down live or going to be enjoying the event from the comfort of your own home, your ticket price includes this epic package. It's one of our greatest great smoke packages in the history of this event. Over $400 worth of product and great swag for the low cost of $165. If you're coming down live, you'll get your package the day of the event. If you order your virtual ticket, they'll start shipping weeks prior to the event in early March. For those of you coming down, we have four full epic days of fun. We start off with Drew Estate and Jonathan Drew, Thursday night, our headquarters here in Boynton Beach. Friday night, two events, Steve Saka here at headquarters, and Evan Darnell once again returns to host our pre-event dinner with the Red Meat Lovers Club going off the top this year. I've seen the menu. It'll be up on the site soon. Incredible dinner. And our host, feature host this year, Michael Herklotz of Ferio Tego Cigars, who's made a very special cigar, especially for those attending the pre-event dinner. Saturday morning, we are starting early with the first ever tailgate party being hosted by the distinguished Ruffius and Eric Espinosa. There'll be a very special cigar made exclusively for that event for the first 100 attendees who go to the tailgate party. And of course, the main event will be Saturday afternoon. And then that night, after the main event, you can head back to our headquarters here. We'll have the man himself, Boofy Matt Booth, Room 101 Cigars, capping it all off with a beautiful Sunday brunch once again before everybody goes home from what we hope will be another historically, epically fun weekend. Do not hesitate. Tickets are selling this year faster than ever. Go to www.thegreatsmoke.com and get your live general admission ticket, your virtual ticket if you're going to enjoy from home, and tickets for either the dinner or the brunch. Epic time. We can't wait to see you all there. The Great Smoke 2023. Mardi Gras Madness. Romeo and Julieta Reserva Real is introducing a twisted love story and a twisted Toro. These cigars are in addition to the original Reserva Real line. What we've done is added a two wrapper combination, looking like a barber pole or a dos capas. Now the wrappers that they're using is an Ecuadorian and a Connecticut shade, giving it that wonderful hinted flavor notes of cream with a little bit of woodsiness added to it. But the nice thing it does to it also is adds great depth into the flavor. The binder and the filler are still the same, using a Nicaraguan binder and a Dominican and Nicaraguan fillers. So you still get that wonderful array of what you know as a Reserva Real, but you've added some depth into it. Now the Twisted Love Story and the Twisted Toro are the only two sizes that'll be available in this line. This is a, a cigar that's iconic to the Reserva Real name, but giving it its just due in something that's fun and innovative. With that, go out and enjoy your own twisted love story. Welcome back, folks. It's our 2022 year in review show. And I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. So as you can see, Paul isn't here as usual lately. So that goes without saying. And Abe is actually doing the show from home. So what that means is I'm in control of all the buttons. So what I'm going to do real quick is I'm going to hijack the show for two or three minutes with my man Garrett. And we're going to talk some chess real quick. Right? Well, nobody else can stop us. Yes. <laughs> so, Garrett. Mm. All right. Biggest story of the year. Magnus not playing? Yeah. Or Hans Niemann? What, what's no, the I, bigger story? I think the bigger story in the chess community is, is Magnus not playing because this is truly unprecedented where a, um, a, a champion 
you know, world champion has not defended their title for, for what I would consider to be legitimate reasons. The other would be Bobby Fisher um, in 1972, um, 73 elected to not defend his title because of craziness. Um, but Magnus, Put it lightly. Um, completely. Did somebody else die? Expected. Did Alakine, did Aliakin die? Somebody else died. Um, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think Aliakin did die. Yeah. But Magnus is the first player to say, um, I'm just kind of done being, you know, at, at, at that champion level. I want to focus on some other things in life. I'm still going to play chess. I'm still going to do a lot of tournaments, but I'm no longer going to defend the title. And interestingly enough, you have seen his play. I don't want to necessarily say decline, but you can tell he is not focused in playing at the champion level that he was prior to that. So here, here, here's what's interesting. First of all, Jay Davis, Magnus Carlsen is, in my opinion, the greatest chess player that ever lived. Ever, 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 ever. Um, so here's what's interesting, and you and I have these conversations. We text back and forth. So there was a point in in uh, the Tata Steel chess tournament where Magnus basically dropped three in a row, two losses and a draw. And we said um, it doesn't it doesn't look like he's uh, got the championship fire anymore. He actually wound up finishing that tournament third, which was a great comeback. I know. And he just he just knocked off Hikaru in, in uh, on on a Chess.com tournament. I think that he's more interested in rapid and blitz online play than he is in classical chess. I think it's just not yeah. the, uh, I think it's just not the grind and, and he doesn't, he doesn't want to deal with the grind. Absolutely. But he proved for many years that no matter if it's, it's classical chess or rapid, wherever he's putting his attention, he's, he's the goat. Right. In right. my opinion, he has proved that. Right. I agree. Absolutely. Now let me let me bring these other mere mortals back in. But before they before they bash us, I just want to point one thing out. Okay, Chess.com is the number two rated free app on the App Store. We are in the midst of a bigger chess boom than we were with the Queen's Gambit during the pandemic. Before you guys bash us for our chess talk. Now, Ooh, and and me. real quick, real quick before uh, we we go into chess, I just want to give a shout out to. Uh, <clears throat> my man Eric Bay, Black Starline Cigars. Uh, he was gracious enough to let me come into his garage and smoking one of his Warwich cigars uh, this morning from Chicago. So Chicago, um, born and bred, and uh, puts out a, a damn good cigar, and he's a he's a good friend and uh, grateful for him. So just wanted to give him a shout out. Thanks for being a gracious host. Yeah, thank you. Alex, I would have been fine with it, right? If you would have told me we were going to do the chess talk, I had a couple more minutes, uh, you know, with the bio break, you know? So. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so I, 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 I had to do a quick run. <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. For you guys, the, the, the world of chess, the drama behind chess, I mean, the – I understand it's hard to watch a game unless you got to be a game nerd. You got to like guys like me and Gary, we follow it. But the drama and the listen, 99% of these guys are on the spectrum, right? They're huge introverts. They're huge divas. They're the most competitive people out there. Football, basketball, they are right up there with it. So the juice that comes out of chess, I mean, come on, we have Elon Musk 
tweeting about anal beads and cheating. I mean, I mean, chess is juicy, man. You guys are missing out. By the way, Garrett, it's your move. I know I blundered a bishop, but I'm still in there. <laughs> I came back to chess. Oh, I had. Yeah. I, I only I let just Garrett because I know you're home and Paul's on here, so I just let Garrett in. <laughs> well, I guess I guess we know so. who the nerdiest guys in the room are. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No lie detected. I will say I have watched these two gentlemen um, play chess in person, and uh, it it is intense to watch. I mean, I'm not a chess guy, as Abe we talked about a couple weeks ago. And I, uh, you know, I got I got scolded by Carney for not knowing how to play chess. But I will say these two. I mean, it's intense. I'm well, not. I'll, I'll I'll tell you what, I feel like, see, the first time I ever played Garrett was at the Great Smoke, and, and I, but I do feel like that my my level of understanding of the game has really leveled up since since a year ago. I put a lot of time in. Significantly. I appreciate that. I, I, uh, I'm from home today, so I don't have access to click on the comments, but. Which is. Oh. I'm with Jay Davis. Oh my God, I'd rather discuss fast food with William Cooper than discuss chess. <laughs> <laughs> no oh, love, no love. All right, so Abe, it's time to have a little fun. It's time to uh, what is the term you use to test their musical Music, musical, musical acumen? See if they can name that jam. A fun segment sponsored by our good friends over at Olive Cigars. <laughs> You got a big room though today, Alex. I mean, it's going to be hard to stump everybody here. It is. I mean, listen, this this is probably we're going to see Coop again. But I'm telling you now, I'm saying it live on the air. Next show, I'm making two name that jams. One specifically for Coop because Coop is on a, a streak right now, and and I have to knock him off at some point. So here we go. You're going to get a few seconds of a song, and it is up to you guys to name that jam. Ooh, oh, Coop. Coop didn't throw his hands up. I might be on to something. <laughs> I was going to say might... before, all you got to do is play some hip-hop, and Coop would be like, I don't know what that is. No, you'd be surprised, man. Coop, he he, he spans the, the board. This is a tough one. Oh, I might be on to something. <laughs> yeah. Nobody? I'm going to play it again. Play it again. Play it again. Play it again. Yeah, I, I had it. What decade is that? Yeah. It's the 60s. 60s. It's the 60s. It is the 60s. That's what I was going to say. All right, so wait a minute. Nobody goes before Coop goes. I got no clue. All right, that's fine. Nobody nobody says a word before Coop. Coop, any guesses? I'm jacked right now. You got me. Yeah, you got me. Um, You're going to be upset because it's an easy one. Like, it, you know, it's like, I've heard this, too. This is what's what getting me. Yes. Matt Tobacco. Any guesses? No. I'm not looking at comments either, so that's why. I... Garrett? 
Frankie Valley, baby. There it is. Let's take it away. Sherry. You got yeah. me. You got me on that one. You guys I, and I should have known that one because I love Fra- I'm a big Frankie Valley fan. I should have known that one. Yes. It was the beat that threw me because, you know, I, I think well, that song more with the vocals, but that was a good one. I'm right, with Coop so on that one. So congratulations, Garrett. You have successfully named that jam. And good I want to congratulate myself with finally stumping Coop with a mainstream song. And I didn't even have to yeah. make a special one. And I do know the 60s. That's the of thing. Of course. I do the 60s. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel great about that. No good uh, job. I do too. Uh, big, big win <laughs> for big, that was big. Listen, man, we've been talking about it for weeks. We're going to have to start making special ones for Coop. And this was mainstream. Number one, 1962, Billboard charts. All right. So moving back into 2022 and uh, – Let's talk about this for a little bit because this seems like this is uh, also going to be a story for 2023. Uh, Price increases in 2022. And along with price increases, we have seen a plethora of really um, ultra premium price cigars being released in 2022 as well. Some of them being, I mean, we had the Year of the Rabbit, which David Zodiac, Zodiac is now up to 50 bucks. Um, EPC released a thousand dollar box also in the uh zodiac sphere. Uh, foundation, does anybody know anyone who bought that box? Which one? I don't know, but if you want to, we have it on sale. Let's smoke. I have the EPC box, we have it. You didn't buy it, it was procured. Yeah, you didn't buy it, it was procured. Question if anyone. Took the chicken and bought that box. If we know, do anybody know anyone who bought that box? No, man. We bought we bought, we bought what two of them? I think we bought four: two for the vintage room, two for yeah. We bought like a handful just to see, you know, if anybody would come finding it. And I don't think we've sold the box yet. But you know, we bought two of those Rocky Bala humidors, the hundred count humidors. Whatever, I didn't think anybody would buy one. Sure enough, they bought them. So you never know. Yeah. So we sold one online and we sold one in the store. So, guys, as 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 the guy who's pretty much responsible for the price increases here, I can tell you that in previous years, um, you know, I I would do maybe six, eight companies. Um 2022, and even this year, it's basically everybody. Basically everybody. Uh raising prices. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you this. I'll start off the bat. Um, I could tell you that, Coop, what year was S-Chip? 2009, I want to say. So in 2009, this industry was faced with an absurd tax. And it was the first time in my career I saw everybody in the industry just wigging out, you know, and and because most of the industry it went under the radar because they thought it was a 10 cent tax they didn't they thought it was a typo they didn't believe that was a a tax that had a max cap of ten dollars a cigar and um they fought it and they ended up settling probably a reasonable fair thing of a the s the excise tax raised from five cents or four and a half five cents to 41 and a half cents not absurd. So I just want you to picture this. 
It was a 41 cent increase imposed to every single company in the cigar industry. And if I tell you how they were all, all every single one of them, freaking out, out on how to handle it, I got a call from every manufacturer principal that I know. Everyone, everyone you could think of. Literally, you know, what do you think? What are they doing? Who's done what yet? You know, over 41 cents. And it wasn't 41 cents for them alone. It was everybody. So technically, the playing field was still the same. And they freaked out about it. I think what's happened post-pandemic, and not just in our industry, across the universe, I think people were forced for many reasons to raise prices on stuff shortages supply you know problems in you know production and they got a glimpse of hey the consumers just take it want to make eggs nine dollars a carton fucking i go to a fucking store eggshells are still empty it ain't stopping anybody from buying eggs they'll bitch but they're all buying eggs so i think there's now a complete fearlessness of raising prices they don't worry about it you know some may be taking advantage of it but you know we all we all know there's in the last three years everything in the universe has just gone up um but i i don't think there's that fear anymore i think the fear of you know can't should we can we get away with it will we lose they just raise the prices. And I think that's what's going on. And unfortunately, I don't know where, when that stops. Um, but, you know, it's a funny thing because I hear a lot of retailers complain when there's a price increase. I don't understand it. Um, at the end of the day, a price increase affects two people ultimately. Well, I mean, other than Alex has got to go in and change a whole shitload of pricing and the team's got to relabel a bunch of shit. I mean, that annoying part of a, you know price increasing. But... Ultimately, it affects two people. A price increase will affect the manufacturer and affect the consumer. Has no effect. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, who is that? Some guy just walked in the back door. Alex, like, go the fucking. You're a better man than me. If you made it this far, if you made it this far, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> You're a better man than me. I would have sent his ass outside. In He's like, is this the strip club? This is yeah. the strip club, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so, Abe, um, you're right on it. I just want you to know there's yeah. a big sign. Like it's it's printed on the door. Please enter from the yeah, please enter from the front. You know. Apparently it's not big enough. No. no. <laughs> and and we'll we'll get to see this live, right? Will he try to exit through the back as well? So we'll see Probably. after he's done. Probably. But, um, I mean, look, if a manufacturer has to increase the price, it affects him in the sense that as a consumer, if I like your cigar, I'm paying $8 a cigar. And I like it. It's one of my favorites. And I enjoy it. But, unfortunately, now that cigar has now become $8.75, $8.95, whatever, $9. I have two choices as a consumer. Either a box is going to cost me $20 more. And I'm going to be all right with it. Or I'm going to see if I can discover other $8 cigars that I like. So, you know, and look, there's so many cigars out there that, you know, I never understood it. People shouldn't smoke beyond their budget. They really, they really shouldn't. There's so many good cigars out there 
you could find a quality good cigar in almost every price range. You really can. I mean, we have an ad for Buffalo 10 that just scrolled in the first hour of show. I think it's like really one of the best five. It's a five, what, five, 525? I don't even know what it is. Five dollars and something. It's a fucking decent cigar, good cigar. I, I'll smoke it any day of the week. So, um, yeah, it just ultimately affects it. So I, I don't think it's going to change. I think it's going to keep coming. And now they're just brazen. I don't even think there's a concern about price changes if they come up. You know, Abe, well, that's a good point because um, I look at, like, traffic on my website and articles that generate uh, conversation. And we put some of these price increases up. We don't go crazy over them. I never see anyone complain about these prices or push back on these price increases. There's no talk about it. So, I, you know, I think you're right. I think there is a complacency to some extent that the manufacturers know they can do it. And to Coop's point, I think that uh, we, we kind of do the same thing. We, we, we'll put some out, but we don't put them all out, you know, like Half Wheel does. Um, but, you know, if we get them, we'll put them out. But, you know, they're also one of the lowest trafficked articles too because i feel like people see them and it's just like oh, and they keep going you know yeah. it's it's not like a oh man I, I, how, how bad is it going to be it's like yeah just keep going yeah yeah that's what i've seen, well, I've seen it's, exactly the it. it's basic economics um for whatever reason and in this case covid and supply chain stuff um caused a huge deficit in its supply and demand and prices go up you never see prices come back down so um, oh. It's really basic economics, and to right. you know, point. There's eight, one eight. exception to that. There's one exception to that, Garrett. When S chip went into effect, somebody Perdomo. lowered Perdomo, Perdomo lowered prices. Perdomo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, made him, made him made himself a hero. I really think that was probably one of the smartest strategic things he ever did. Ever did. Yep. Yep. He he made himself a hero. And I really think that that helped catapult him to where he is today with Perdomo Army. I think he created the Perdomo Army that that started that movement. Yeah. Um, but you're right; he was the only guy who 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 really didn't. And he sold more cigars. He sold more yeah. cigars. You know, yes, Garrett, your good. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you no, know, no, the point about lowering prices it, it has happened with some companies, and they'll announce it. But me, as a media guy, always has a skeptical eye when that happens. Like, well. You have to be – there had to be something that had to give to do that. You're getting the tobacco cheaper. Is the tobacco is good enough? You know, you switch factories. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, that will play into that that sometimes that's – you know, when a company does that, it's not because I think they're just trying to do it to be nice. Look. Perdomo's like not in that category. Perdomo's not in that category. I'll make that clear. Look, yeah. just like everything else, prices fluctuate. A lot of it – a lot of it changes, yeah. right? Now, restaurants, I go to the restaurant, and the price on the menu are typically the same. Tomatoes might cost more this week. Ground beef might cost more this week. God knows we've yeah. seen the price of chicken wings go up to the price of filet mignon and go down to nothing again. You know? But they don't really change their prices every time something fluctuates. They wait till they see there's a long-term thing. I think our industry's gotten to the point where they'll just change it as soon as they, their cost goes up. I mean, perfect example is I remember everybody bitching. Because the cost of a container was absurd. It like quadrupled, quintupled to get a container over here during during the pandemic. So they're all freaking out, saying, well, shit, man, and it cost me fucking five times more to bring a container over. Well, guess what's happened? The prices of containers have normalized. Now, they're not as cheap as they used to be, but it's gone down back to a normal level. You think anybody changed their price back? Not one. There's so many different. 
Well, but we know that that boxes and cellophane um, labels, those have all, ink, all of those have, have gone up and they're not coming back down. You know, you're right. But how many price increases have we seen since the pandemic? Alex, you know better than me. All of them. But multiple, but multiple times. Yes, yes, and yeah. and, and it's interesting because it's as again the guy that does price just like even the ones I'm doing this year. I see some and I say, "Oh, that's reasonable. It's barely felt." It's a, and, and and then I see others and and I'm like, I wonder how that's going to work out. You know, right. I feel like the top guys look the Davidoff people that buy Davidoff are going to buy Davidoff. The guys buying boxes of Davidoff for thousand dollars if it's a thousand. Thirty dollars. They're not going to bat an eye. When the ten dollars stick becomes twelve, that's kind of a heavy jump. So we'll see for certain companies. We'll see how that plays out. But it's it, you made me think of something. We were talking about restaurants, and it, and it made me. Um, and I, I'd like to get you guys' perspective on this. So when I go get my haircuts on Saturday, when I'm done, I usually stop at a at a, a deli down in, in Boca called Deli on Rye, and um, get myself a Red Russian, great pastrami, corned beef little cheese on it, coleslaw. So they've never raised prices, but then I noticed like the last time I went that um, in lieu of raising the price, the sandwich, no, not the service, the sandwich was half the sandwich. And I said to myself, Wrong I, would rather, I would have rather paid the extra two, three dollars to get the sandwich that I'm used to getting than half the sandwich at the same price. That's a wrong move. That's a bad business move, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, it was well, the other, I think another factor, and yeah, we will see, here's my prediction, in the next two years, we will see who's here to stay and who's not. There is a saturation, I believe, especially in the boutique um, world of cigars. We are spoiled for choice. There's a lot of great cigars out there right now, and in two years, I foresee a handful of companies dropping out of the race. Um, I agree with you. You'll see an exodus in 2025. So here, here's the other side of this. Um, you know, I don't know, but from my perspective, if you go back a few years, right, take away Davidoff and Padron, there's very few cigars that hit that like $30 range. Very few, right? Take away those two companies. We're seeing a big influx of that. Is there a sustainable market? for the amount of really i mean you know we, we have you know look Mir mirafell has an 86 dollar cigar placentia 65 you know even foundation through their 33 dollar el senator cigar in the hat is there is there a sustainable market for these like i said i feel like a few years ago outside of padron and davidoff there weren't many so alex here's my answer on that um if they were already over that $30 price point, and I'm going to use a good example, of, and I kind of said this on Monday night, dab it up year to Zodiac cigars, you could probably get away with it, right? Because those were already in, in that, like, uber ultra premium range. But I think if, if you're kind of pushing into that $20 mark, it's going to become less sustainable. Because I think once you start crossing into that, into that $20 category, I think it just has a different perception. I agree. Gary, you had a point? So I know that uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, Davidoff required 
majority of their retail partners to go all in on, on the Davidoff family of, of cigars from a facing standpoint. And I think there was a strategy by some companies to try and get into shops that that was not a sustainable uh, take on for them, you know, to, to bring in 46 facings of Davidoff Camacho and um, um, who am I forgetting? Gary, you need to talk louder than the people in the background. Okay, sorry. There you go. Yeah, we can hear the guys behind you more than I can hear you. <laughs> oh, my bad. So I just think that there there were companies trying to take advantage of the the Davidoff you know, peace, and they're they're trying to get in on that. That's that's what I think is a big factor in some of these newer companies making a run at the retailers who dropped Davidoff. Davidoff, there's nobody on a financial sense can look at what they're doing and say this is based on any kind of real cost issue, right? It's totally a marketing issue, and anybody who doesn't realize that, I mean. You, you look at what they've been doing with their annual drops with the Zodiac cigars and whatever. They're going up beyond any reasonable, fathomable reason of any real cost thing. And I think that's a model that if people try... Listen, Davidoff is... So, Padron, has, Padron and Fuente have built their legacies on a real heritage and history and family um, generations, right? Legacy stuff. Davidoff has really locked in, I mean, you know, just Zeno Davidoff, you know, who started the movement, but they've locked in themselves as a symbol of eliteness, right? This is, this is a status, it's a status cigar. And when you have something that's a status, whether it's sneakers or jewelry or you know whatever, when you hit that level, you've accomplished, this is a status thing. They can get away with doing what they do with the pricing and stuff like that. I agree, Abe. And I think specifically with Davidoff, they saw what like Cohiba did with the Cuban market. And I think they kind of internally said to themselves, we play just as well in this space, if not better. I agree. And, yeah, yeah, and I think that triggered a lot of their price increases. And I think in that, in a lot of cases, that market they knew could sustain that. It's some of these other companies that don't necessarily play in the space with Davidoff. Those are the ones I don't think are going to be sustainable because ultimately, I think there's going to be a set of companies that are going to come out with some cigars that will eventually undercut that price. When Habanos raised their prices last year as high as they did, that was the first thing that I thought of too. Like, they're not going to be the only ones. There's going to be more to follow, especially when you talk about brands that are on the international market not just here so you know you look at habanos the only country that they're pretty much not in is here so davidoff being probably arguably the next brand below them on that scale right away it's like well davidoff's going to follow habanos because they perform on that world scale they're probably the closest competitor to cuban cigars internationally and they play in that market they have similar price points i see them going up and uh, the, you know, then the question is, all right, so then who's after Davidoff? And I think you will see more of that, you know, especially when you have these brands in that group, especially on a global scale, um, continue to, to go up and really go after that, 
you know, ultra premium price point market. Well, we shall see. All right, folks. So it's probably be our last topic. And, and this is the one guys like uh, Abe and I need the most help on. Um, and that's with the uh, to do with FDA and tobacco bans and flavored tobacco bans. I know we we've had some wins. Flavored tobacco has ha had a rough ride lately. But uh, fill us in. I mean, you guys, you guys tend to be more educated than us on these subjects. Well, Coop, you and I actually talked about this recently, kind yeah. of in depth. So yeah. one of the big takeaways was a lot of the FDA stuff, I think, is um, still kind of hanging in the balance with Judge Mehta's decision, which has been put continuously pushed out because of so many other things that are taking, I think, more precedence uh, down in Washington right now. Yeah, apparently Meta has been involved with a lot of the January 6th stuff, and he's been involved with it according to Charlie when I talked to Charlie Monday night on this for a while. So it's not really a new thing that he's been involved with. But I think a lot of what PCA's strategy is, because we talked to Glenn and Josh last week, a lot of strategy they're going to do like around things such as responsible marketing, they are waiting to see what Meta's decision is uh, before they kind of, pivot to what they're going to put in place so a lot and what, what they're trying to do is they're trying the judge obviously has ruled that the deeming rule is arbitrary and capricious the question is what remediation is the fda going to have are they going to are they going to throw out the deeming rule entirely are they going to be forced to rewrite parts of this those are that's really what the big questions are going to be right now flavored is another story flavored is kind of a separate track but ultimately i don't i think flavored is going to be heading to the courts as well so even if something comes out with uh, flavored tobacco, it, it won't ban flavored tobacco this year. They'll, it will probably be a couple years out, and that's going to give time for a court court uh, case to come in. And they'll go to court route because we've had the most success in the courts. So that that's and, and maybe they'll hope this goes into Meta's court again. I don't know, but that's I think what's going to happen. Well, and I look at uh, New York for a current study. Um, we saw them in the last 18 months drop the moratorium on cigar lounges opening in New York City. And then a year and a half later, we see a proposition for a 95% tax on premium cigars. Um, so two opposing um, viewpoints from cigars in the state of New York shows us a couple things. One, that... Um, uh, there are people that are at least with, willing to listen to both sides, but also the, the fight is never going to be over. We are always going to continue to have to fight for, for this for the foreseeable future, that uh, there will be new lobbyists, new whatever to come and say that tobacco is bad in all forms. Um, and, and I hope that the consumers continue to uh, fight and talk to their representatives um, but I don't I don't see a united front right now for um, for fighting you know Jay Davis we had a whole like Philip of Macedon Alexander 
thing we had a thing going on and uh, yeah, i feel yeah. like our i feel like our relationship is is falling apart like right here live on kma man extra today we had a whole <laughs> philip of macedon alexander the great we had a whole thing we had a bond and it's it's falling apart live. i saw that comment i couldn't i, I can't click on it. i'm glad you clicked on it yeah well you know Okay, the part that, and I mentioned this as well, Matt and I talked about this as well. I'm very worried about the whole advertising piece right now. And if, if they leave alone uh, substantial equivalents and things in warning labels, I just have this feeling they're going to try to pivot to advertising. And that scares me in terms of what cigar companies going to be able to do to market, what retailers are going to be able to do to market, what cigar media is going to be able to broadcast. I, I have a lot of fear with this right now. And, and some of that stuff in the NASM study was very scary. So maybe they'll leave substantial equivalents alone, but I can see them pivoting to this other angle where they'll try to, to try to you know squeeze this industry another way. And they, and they have the authority to do it. And I really hope that we're going to get ahead of the game with this right now, because, you know, flavored tobacco, we got behind on the game. What we can argue tobacco 21, we never got in the game, you know, things like that. So, now, um, you know, if they, I think this is something they really need to start looking at now rather than later. You're absolutely right. They're always going to find a way to weasel it. Because, look, there are states now who've already banned menthol cigarettes, correct? So the logic is, why are you banning menthol cigarettes? Well, what the fuck is make, I mean, menthol cigarettes anything different? I mean, let's be real, man. Menthol cigarettes aren't attracting any kids. They know that shit right now. All right? They know exactly who smokes menthol cigarettes and why it's made for what majority of the people, right? So it makes absolutely no sense. You say to yourself, who the fuck would make waste their time? Because I'm going to tell you what it is. They sit there in rooms and they say, if we can get this win, mm -hmm. the next step is all cigarettes. We need to get this little win. We're going to go in and we're going to fight that menthol is bad and it attracts kids. Where Because if we can get that blocked out, then we can go again because it's open the door it's like it's yep. like making yep. the dam open and that's exactly what they do all day long yep that's exactly and, and ab i don't know the cigarette market as much but is mental a big part of the cigarette market still it to me it doesn't oh, yeah. maybe it just i don't see it absolutely oh so it still is okay you know here's the thing you you can't tell what's menthol anymore that's kind of what I was going to say. Most of the brands hide it. It's called something else, or it's this, or it's that. And now they have the ones that the tobacco is not treated menthol, but there's a menthol ball in the filter. So technically, it's still a normal cigarette, but when you crush the ball in the filter and light up, now it becomes a menthol cigarette. So, the oh, yeah. The Camel Crush. The Camel Crush. And I think Marlboro has one called Next, NXT, or something like that. Well, it's like, look, um, at, New look at Newports, right? Newports is just Newport. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm shocked they still have the green packaging. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, you know, I mean, I mean, look, it, it, the menthol cigarettes is predominantly smoked by the African-American community. It's just a fact. Everybody knows it. And it's not attracting kids. And I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. I mean, look, I smoke menthol cigarettes, so, I mean, it's not solely, but it's the majority, and they know it. But that's what it ends up being. It ends up being a gateway for this is why when I sat on the board, once again, another great board story. Sorry, Jay Davis. But when I sat on the board, I, 
there was a room full of people they wanted to pass at the time what was called the Jenkins Act. And the Jenkins Act would have affected interstate commerce, right? And because the board was a lot of relics at the time, you know, these guys, they all looked at JR and said, like, they're our enemy and whatever, and we need to shut this down. And I'm sitting back here thinking, do you not understand that backing any legislation, you're just opening up. They want to come out as a trade association. See, we want to, they wanted to um, endorse the regulation. You want to endorse something that's going to regulate and, and prohibit from how our product that we sell is transported. You know, you may not ship or sell online today, but you might in three or four years. You know, if you wise up and figure out, you know, why would you endorse that? You know, but they don't see it because that's the gateway. That's how that's how the bands start. They find a way to weasel in that something it, it what we like to call it, it's an easier fight. They pick the easier fights that so that when they want to get to their real end game of the situation, they've already got a foothold in it. And that's what happens. Low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. You know, and yeah. to Coop's point earlier with the advertising, I mean, like look at, you know, in the cigarette world, you know, we don't have the Marlboro Man anymore. We don't have Joe Camel. Uh, you can't there's no more Winston Cup series. Um, you all that advertising is gone. So I mean it's not like it hasn't been done tobacco advertising stuff that's been banned oh completely so yeah, i mean to, to to coop's point i mean you know some of this already does exist in the tobacco industry so it's it's yeah. not far-fetched either it, yeah you look at what they went after for example in the nasa report right matt i agree with you on this but look at what they went after carlito fuente's ad right for his place dream Yep, and and the uh, barn smoker was, I think, the auto. It was a savage feast. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, and it and it and then these anti-tobacco people they twisted into something. Look what they're doing here, you know. This well, magazine's available to everyone on a plane and stuff. Yeah. With the Drew Estate thing, they were like, well, they're you know, Drew Estate, Swisher International, they have this big event that they're promoting with, you know. DJs and stuff like that that appeals to kids because kids want to go to a, a party with a DJ and a band and like you know like a rave kind of thing that that's something that young people like so they're they're trying to appeal to kids like oh come to like a big you know show performance and then like we'll give you cigars and it's like that, that, that that's not like what it is though but that's yeah. the narrative that they're trying to create yeah they don't look at the part of the age verification which is probably already in place with that so you know they don't look at and that by that place. and by that logic I mean great smoke yeah you know what i mean i mean that's someone could take the great smoke and be like oh there's this retailer in florida that's got this big event and they do all these things like a special people come and it's like which yeah, you know just, it's not that's what it is but it, that's, right, that's right. Like, the same thing how does that logic not work for every nightclub in, the, in america <laughs> it serves liquor right Right. Oh, kids don't want to go to a nightclub with the yeah. rock and music right and they're gonna be served alcohol i mean yeah, it's mind blowing. The problem is we're under. There's groups that want to prohibit that. Want, they want prohibition for tobacco. The alcohol is not really facing that in this day and age right now. They did. They had that time when they were facing that. That's the difference, and it's unfortunate that that's the difference for us. But that's the reality. True. Real quick on this, before we get to the news, Coop, you got some news for us this week? I got a couple. I got a couple of items. Yeah, it's okay, not a huge week. But yeah. I, I just this is totally off topic. But I just need to get some help from you guys to make sure I'm not fucking retarded, which I very well may be. This is totally <laughs> off topic. But while we were talking, I'm 
Super Bowl's tomorrow. I'm heading over to Italo's house from shipping kids. We're going to get some wings and shit. But I, I, I just need your help here. And tell because I could be crazy, right? And we're looking to get some wings, right? Now, I don't know if you guys can see that or not, but for 25 wings, right, it's $32.95. Can you tell me what 33 plus 33 is? 66. Okay, so why the fuck would I spend $73.99 on 50 wings and not just order two 25s? I mean, would, you would think that the more you buy, the less it is, you know? People that just don't read their own shit. I mean, I wonder if I'm going to have to go argue with these people now when I go over after the show and try to order two 25s. I just ordered two different flavors. Flavors. And if you really want to flex, you can get 100 wings for 150 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) let's take it to our favorite intro song, The Scoop with Coop. What's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. All right, Coop, it's your time to shine. What do we got? All right, so I got three items. One one is not product-related, and then I'll talk about two product releases. Uh, this is kind of dovetailing on what we just talked about. Uh, last week we talked about the CDC, the CDC survey on uh, where they surveyed folks, and it was said that people um, favored a ban of tobacco. It was 57% like fifty-seven percent would prohibit tobacco. Fifty-seven percent. Uh, give the PCA credit; they did issue a pretty swift response on this this week. Um, and really, what they did is they kind of really poked holes into the data that was in there the way the data was presented, that it had influencing influenced people in a certain way, and uh, also saying that the survey was more politically based and not really uh, in the in the interest of public health. So they, they did issue a pretty lengthy statement this week. I don't want to say it was a press release. It was more like a lengthy statement uh, where they basically poked a lot of holes into that this week. So that came out on Tuesday. Coop, I just got to say that close-up of you, I just realized for the first time during this whole broadcast, the hat you're wearing, man. Oh, it's great. I love this yellow hat. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's right. That's right right here, too. Yeah, Yeah, so so some some of our friends got packages a little early, so uh, you guys can get to see some of the goods. Yeah, I'll be good. That we have in store for you. Yeah, I'll post some pictures up of that. By the way, uh, great job on the package, I got to say. And the cigars, uh, again, I mean, I, these are Dude. unbelievable cigars in there. I, awesome stuff. Listen to me. I'm telling you, Alex and I sit in the office and we talk about this. We are mind boggled how virtual sales haven't sold out yet, especially when we look at last year, how it sold out so fast and we had to add more. Because the value's there, right? It's over four dollars worth of shit. I mean, what you get for one hundred and sixty-five bucks? It's here's a funny thing, and you guys can tell me what you think. If Alex and I had made an ad and said we have a thirty-two cigar sampler for you, here are the samplers, and it's four hundred dollars. Well, it's three hundred and some fifty-seven dollars, I think, worth of stuff, and you're going to get this sampler for only one hundred and sixty-five, and we're going to send you all this swag. I think it would have sold out. I don't know if the TGS part throws people off 
or they don't, you know, I, I don't know. But we're very, because every other aspect of the Great Smoke is like crushed last year. Like not a slight increase, not whatever, it's crushed. So I don't know. I don't, we're starting to wonder whether there'll be a calling for virtual like we thought it would be, like we thought this would last forever and continually grow. I'm committed to doing one more year of virtual, um, no matter what. So there will be a virtual in 2024. But if the trend continues, I, I think it's just going to tell us that the desire to, no matter how good we make it, how nice it is, the desire to participate virtually and get, get a virtual ticket is not there like we thought it was. Dude, this bottle opener is badass. Can I just this, this, yeah, show that, that one. Look at that. That's heavy duty, bro. Dude, it is. You can take someone out with us. <laughs> I mean, I, I met I messaged both Alex and Abe, and I'm like, guys, this was like a home run here. Um, thanks for sending this because uh, yeah, it's just it's like I said, the swag is just a bonus, but those cigars alone, I mean, these these are not like these are not like how can I put it? These are not things you'll see in a bargain bin by any means. These just these well, are cigars you're gonna get. This year, I think Alex knows better than I do. There's three, maybe three things that they're actually releasing at the Great Smoke. So, yeah, like, so, their first so, debut as a national brand will be at the Great Smoke. Yeah, yeah I know McAuliffe so, got something. Yeah, McAuliffe has, a, I believe it's the Leyenda Toro. Yep. Um, releasing first at TGS Island Gym, the new Island Gym, Connecticut, releasing first. First time you're going to get your hands on it and be able to purchase it is at TGS and in the TGS store. It's also in your package. Um, we also Go have the, the, Ghost Connecticut. the Gurkha Ghost Connecticut, brand new cigar coming first to TGS. And something uh, you guys have maybe haven't seen yet, you didn't get in your pack, but there will be available a limited edition TGS 2023 Mardi Gras Madness Woody. So Oscar Woody. That's pretty cool. Yes, the yeah. Oscar Woody. The monster. That's like a 10 by 60 or something like 10 yes, by 20 and, by 60. And let me tell you, Coop, we cannot keep the normal Woody in stock. It is an anomaly. I don't know. I totally this packaging and the art on this box is so wild. I totally see a bunch of people gonna be walking around with Woody's at the event of the Great Smoke. It's gonna be absolutely insane. absolutely. So uh, what what else you got, Coop? Um well, I guess we're going to call this maybe our mini segment, the STG release of the week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have the STG release of the week. Uh, it is from Diesel Cigars, and it is called The Simple Fool. Oh, it's my a, gosh. It is uh, part of a trilogy of cigars, the Diesel uh, Fool's Aaron series, uh, which you could um, – but this is the second uh, installment of the trilogy. They're doing like three, like a three-year run of these. And uh, what's in, uh, this, I'm, this is kind of interesting because they did this last year. Uh, there's like an interactive component to this. So inside you'll get a uh, a tarot card, and the tarot card contains a QR code. And if you click on that QR code, it, it uh, launches like an interactive game. And I guess you go and you solve a series of riddles, and you can win some prizes there. So if that's something that excites you, um, then <laughs> then go do that. Um, but the cigar itself, it's going to be a short uh, Figurado. looks very much like the Warhead 6 size, by the way. But that's not a surprise because Warhead 6 was made out of AJ's factory, and this also comes out of AJ's factory as well. So, um, And the cigars are going to go for a decent price, uh, $9.99 a cigar. So um, uh, they will be hitting the stores in March. So uh, look out uh, for next week for – 
STG's next week, next, next release. Yeah, next <laughs> release. Of it. Uh, we 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 are actually very closely tracking their pace this year to see if they beat the fifty nine releases. So that we, might have been the comment of the show right there. Our new mini segment. Free advertising. I just gave them. By the way. All right. All right. All right. What uh, else you got? Coop? Last story comes from Crown Heads. Uh, Crown Heads is very much known with their core lines of doing limited sizes, one off shoots once a year. Uh, this year. What was it's that? Locked. I didn't catch that. Sorry. Okay. That was for the house. Okay. Good. Okay. No. Uh, so this year, Lake Carem is getting a limited edition size in the form of a 4x54 short Robusto called Pastelitos. Um, and they, Crownheads has also had a lot of success with these short Robustos. They've done them in other sizes in the past. I know they did it with uh, Juarez, and I think they did it with Jericho Hill. Uh, line Perioso. So now they have one for the La, Car- La Carem's uh, line. It's a line that comes out of Ernesto Perez Carrillo's factory. La Carem is, is normally a box press series, but the, this limited is a rounded Parejo. Um, these should also be hitting the stores next month. Uh, they'll come in 24 count boxes with a 30,000 cigar run. Priced at kind of a little steep, the price is $12.95 for a uh, short Robusto. So you expect to see that one. And Crownhead usually does well with these limited one-offs, so I, I probably expect them to sell out. Yeah, they do a lot. They do a lot of one-offs, and, and they all seem to do well. So. Yeah, they do. They do. They, I think they do. Like They've done the Bellicosos Finos in this size, which was actually a great size of the like, Karem. So this year they went with the short Robusto. All right. well, that's your news for this week. That's your news for this week. Do it. Yeah. Do it, Abe. You, you do it. All right, I'll do it. For more news, visit cigar-coop.com. I think that was close to what Abe yep. does. I know I got the website right. Yep. Yep, you did. This was a fun show. Yeah, it was. I actually had a really good time, man. We've talked about doing these more, but yeah, this is pretty. This was a lot of fun. Spectacular. It's just cool to hear everybody's different perspective. You know, we get so caught up in our what we think in our own. It's kind of nice to hear other people what their thoughts are. Yeah. Well, anybody got anything going on this weekend other than the Super Bowl? What, you guys already talked about your big game plans. Did I show up late? No, we just talked about picks. In the yeah. beginning of the show? Anybody doing anything big? Absolutely well, not. I'm watching from home. Well, we're doing the, uh, the pregame show and the halftime show. Tomorrow with John Carney. Yeah, yeah, we'll oh. do live. Wow. Yeah, so it'll be you know Carney telling everyone why he feels a certain way about whoever's going to win, and then being like, "Well, we'll see what happens." Um, Carney's good, man. Carney's <laughs> no, good. he's good it's, though. He's good with his predictions and stuff. Yeah, but no, we, it would be me and Carney and possibly Coop. I don't know if it, Coop has been invited. I don't know if he's still coming, but um, probably, well, yeah. so there you have it. Uh, we'll get on there. Uh, pre-game show and uh, halftime show. We'll go live and we'll talk about the Super Bowl. Well, gentlemen, I really want to thank everybody for joining us on this Saturday morning. Alex, thank you for kind of handling the helm today as I uh, had some issues to come in late. But uh, it was a fun Saturday morning. We hope you enjoyed it. It's the best way to start your Saturdays. Please uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our private Facebook group, Smoke and Social. Great place to be. Everybody, until next week, keep Real it lit. Quick, hey, before you, before you go, before you go, I want to take a moment. I just want to take a moment real quick because I appreciate these guys coming on. Real quick, one, two, three. 
tell because you never know who's listening may not have heard tell real quick coop where can people find you uh cigar-coop.com uh you can find you'll get access to everything news uh reviews and all of our podcast uh info matt uh smoke tobacco.com same thing news reviews all of our podcast info and updates on our cigar family charitable foundation raffle which goes live march 17th at 9 a.m come on how about that cigar.com we go live every monday night 8 30 central which would be 9.30 Eastern. I figured out how time zones work today. <laughs> and um, we, we uh, do an interview show uh, and uh, cast simultaneously to Facebook and YouTube. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Well done, Alex. Sign us off. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and keep it lit.